Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is hosted by Peter Bodeway. Peter manages strategy and partnerships for an innovative alliance of energy companies committed to reducing environmental impacts through collaborative R&D efforts. Peter worked for more than 20 years in Asia, building and investing in a variety of businesses. His most recent role outside of Canada was with the World Wildlife Fund, where he was the chief executive officer of WWF China, based in Beijing. Prior to that, Peter lived in Hong Kong for 15 years working in the technology industry. And now I'm going to hand the mic over to Peter as he has a great conversation with Stephen Wilson. Take it away, Peter. So thanks, Al. Good morning, everyone. My name is Peter Bodway, and I'll be your host of today's Rainforest podcast. Today's guest is Stephen Wilson. He's the VP of Acceleration at the Foresight Cleantech Accelerator Center. So welcome, Stephen. Thanks for having me, Peter. Excited to be here. Great. So let's let's start out with, tell us a bit about the Accelerator. Give us an introduction. All right. Well, I, I guess I'll start with myself, at least to say that you know, VP of Acceleration sounds kind of fancy, but really it's, it's a big way of saying I work with a wonderful group of mentors and executives and residents. That is the biggest piece of, I think, the value we deliver. It's that executive residence and mentor network that we bring to companies. And that's where it really matters that Foresight is specifically focused on clean tech. That's our only purview. Those are all the companies we work with. And so that really allows us to focus on the networks and the connections that we make and that we build. What does Foresight do? I've working on a way to explain this simply, but if you like skiing, here's going to be my analogy. We started off running the ski school. And then we realized that it would also really help if we groomed the slopes. And that's where we now call ourselves Canada's Clean Tech Ecosystem Accelerator. We still run the ski school. That's what I'm in charge of. But we've also added that grooming capability. What we've realized is that the ecosystem needs more than just training of the SMEs. We need to break down some of those barriers and bring together a number of different groups. We call it the Helix 5 model. So you obviously have your SMEs in there. You've got these little startup ventures, but you also have your industry partners. We need to bring industry to the table. We need to drive adoption. We need to make innovation uh, more comfortable. We need to de-risk that for the industrial partners. We need to bring government to the table. Government is very good in Canada with funding startups, but there's also regulatory hurdles. There are other policy drivers that need to be put in place to make some of these business models work. We need to bring academia in. There is millions and millions of dollars of equipment in university labs, in college labs, the kind of equipment that sometimes startups will need to validate their technology. There are hugely talented people inside of academia that can do that testing, that can prove that a model will work or improve how a model will work, how a piece of technology might operate. And we also need all those smart people working on the challenges that industry has, right? All those research papers being written, we need them to be items that can be commercialized, that can be spun out. And the last group, I think I'm up to five. I wasn't counting. Were you, Peter? Well, you're about there. <laughs> is, is the investors. 
we need investment and we need it from the pre-seed and the siege stage. We need those angel investors. We need the VC capital, but we also need non-dilutive. At some point to get really, really big projects going, you need debt financing, you need banks, you need other forms of capital all along the journey. That's great. And we need them understanding the stories as these companies grow to understand that it has been de-risked, to get them part of the conversation and also to educate the SMEs what the options are that are available and how they can take advantage of them. Great. So, and, and we'll explore some of those. I'm interested in exploring the funding uh, a little little later in the discussion, but let's start with the accelerator. I mean, you've been in Calgary now since 2019 and you've run a number of cohorts. Now I understand you're expanding into other cities, right? Across the prairies. We are actually, our last cohort was our uh, largest and we had 28 companies from BC to Manitoba. So it was very exciting for us to be working with uh, Manitoba Tech Accelerator and North Forge in Manitoba, as well as Innovation Saskatchewan and the folks there, uh, in addition to obviously our existing partnerships with Tech Edmonton and Platform Calgary. Okay. Because there's always a number of different accelerators and, and focusing on different stages of development, not necessarily in the environment sector, but across the ecosystem. So typically where, I guess, at what TRL level, what, what are you focusing on in terms of the types of companies you're looking to bring in the accelerator? I would say for our kind of flagship programs, the ones we started with, Peter, and the ones we first came to Alberta is our launch and our deliver program. And I would really say that's for companies mainly between kind of TRL four to seven. So they've got a good idea. They're really looking to validate in the marketplace, work on what their business model is, maybe move into pilots on customer sites. Okay. So you mentioned, I mean, in that sentence, you mentioned your launch and deliver program. So that's, from my understanding, two programs within the, in the accelerator, what you offer. So maybe can you just explain a little bit about what they, what they are? All right, Peter. Well, here's going to be the, the history lesson for the day. Okay. We started off seven years ago. I wasn't there. So when I say we, it's kind of a, a bigger concept of we, the people at Foresight, the Foresight idea started seven years ago. And like a lot of accelerators, they focused on that CEO training, right? That's our launch course. It's all about market validation training. It's geared towards TRL four to seven. They went a few years and they realized that clean tech companies, because they're often hard technology, it's not the same as software, right? If you discover a bug in your product, you can't just you know, give your coders a case of monster energy drink and it's fixed over the weekend. Sometimes these people are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to build a prototype, test a prototype, and they won't get feedback on whether they made the right decision for a whole year. And let me tell you, after you spend that first quarter of a million or half a million dollars on your prototype, if it doesn't work and you don't get the right test results, investors are less likely to give you another chance. So you really have to get it right the first time. And unfortunately, we saw some technology, some really good ideas that died, not because the CEO couldn't identify what the problem was in the marketplace, not because he couldn't raise the money, not because he couldn't sell the solution, but because the CTO made some mistakes. Sometimes these people are first-time CTOs. They're coming with a PhD in chemistry or physics, or you know, they're coming out of engineering school. They've got some great idea, but they haven't done it before. And we realized the same theory that we're applying to the CEOs, that we should provide the mentorship, that we should pair them with somebody who's done this before, somebody who's got 20 or 30 years of experience in the field, we should do that with CTOs as well. And that's where we came up with the Deliver program. That is our CTO training program. So at that TRL 4 to 7, we've got the launch program that helps the CEO 
identify what the real problem is in the market and how it can be addressed and validate that, form those hypotheses, test them out there with customers. And then we've got the CTO training course, which is now you know what you need to deliver. What's your next milestone? How are you going to get there? And how are you going to form a story that will be an attractive business? Nobody wants to invest in one single product. They want to invest in a company. So how are you going to address new markets? How are you going to evolve your technology going forward to make a really attractive business? So that's what we do in the Deliver program is we help them build a technology development roadmap. What uh, I'll, I'll continue quickly. We've been fortunate enough, based on the hard work uh, of the entrepreneurs and the expertise provided by our uh, executives and residents, to have some companies continue to grow. And that's where we kicked off our growth program to try to address the challenge they need. That's a little less programmatic. It's a little more flexible than our launch program. So those are companies that are TRL9 that are growing. I I always say I hate to burst people's bubbles, but after you get that first sale, after you raise that first million dollars, the problems aren't going to stop. They're just going to be different problems. Yeah. Of growth problems. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that exactly. Like, I, I did want to sort of focus on that because I guess is when I think of those early stage technologies or companies who are in TRL four to seven. So you've got your launch and deliver program focusing on CEO, CTO. I mean, what's the biggest challenge those companies face? Right, because they're they're fairly early stage. They haven't got that initial round of funding, or they haven't got the field pilot. What's their biggest challenges? I think if you looked by 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 quantity, Peter, yeah, I would say the biggest problem is a real screaming pain. We see a lot of companies that are, uh, if you were to divide them down into like you know uh, pain relievers and vitamin pills, a lot of them are vitamin pills. Right, we're going to help you address, make something better for you. But it's not what you're screaming about, right? Yeah. You're not heading to hospital today to solve that problem. You're kind of, oh, yeah, maybe I can increase my efficiency by a few percentage points. But it's not the real problem that the customer is looking to address, right? It's in that CEO's statement of here are the big goals for the company in the next year. It's, it's not hitting that level. So we even sometimes say if people bring up the fact, I mean, we are a clean tech accelerator. That's baked into the purpose of every company we deal with, that they want to try to help address the sustainability challenges that we face. But that alone is not going to sell your solution, right? It has to address some business needs, some part of somebody's job today that they need fixed, that they wish was different. That is probably the biggest challenge across the companies. That's interesting because it touches on the value proposition. It touches on... You know, and especially in today's environment in, in the energy segment, when people are, you know, it's, it's cash flows challenge. So new solutions need to provide not just an incremental value, but a really superior value. Because you're talking about swapping out CapEx and all sorts of, you know, it needs to provide a real operational improvement to hit that value proposition. So, and, and so, so when you guys, I mean, look at that, I guess when companies are coming through your accelerator, I guess. Once they complete the Foresight program, what's their next step on their journey? Where are they going? A, a lot of times, they, there are some other programs uh, out there that people can kind of uh, continue on with to, to grow and mature their businesses. Obviously, for, for some people, it can be into the growth program. Uh, for some specific course needs, we, we do see other training programs. I mean, I think we're, we're actually uh, working with Carrie Houston at uh, 321 Growth Academy to, to give a little speech to some of our people on some specific topics. There's a number of other things to round out what they need to do um, that, you know, we, we've seen in terms of success stories, uh, one company that 
has grown and done fairly well through our programs is clear. They went through the foresight program and then they ended up going to CDL and they really described them as having a benefit for different stages of their business. When it came time to raise larger amounts of money, they really felt that CDL had done uh, a good job preparing them for that and exposing them to the right people okay. uh, across the country. So there, there are other programs out there in the ecosystem that follow on afterwards. No, well, I guess is th- that's sort of where I guess I was leading with the question is once they graduate, what's their next step on their journey? Could be another accelerator, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, but if they have that value proposition, uh, if they've clarified that as part of the launch, then it's the raising capital. So let, let, I, I did, because you had mentioned that earlier, that's one of those pillars that you guys developed through the Helix model. So yeah. like, what, are, what are you doing in that area regarding helping the, uh, the, those companies in the accelerator access capital? Peter, as much as we can, and, and sometimes probably not enough. Uh, you know, we recently uh, were partnered with Actia and Startup TNT around a, a clean tech investment uh, forum. So we do work with uh, Startup TNT, and I think they're doing fantastic work in terms of bringing impact investment into focus, teaching people how to do it, getting the next generation involved, exposing companies to more investors. After every cohort, ourselves, we do run a demo day. So we do try to bring them out to the community. So make them, uh, make investors aware of them. Uh, the next one coming up will be April 13th. If you, uh, don't have anything in your calendars and want to hear about some great companies. And again, we will be showcasing all 28 companies from BC to Manitoba. So if you want to see great companies, you know, in your hometown or local to you that you could be possibly investing in or learning about or uh, partnering with, we do encourage, uh, corporate um, partners to join those events and, and learn about technology that they could utilize. That's coming up on the 13th. We are always trying to uh, build inroads and make sure that we have a good database of all the people who are active in the space and what their investment theses are so that we can communicate that to the startups to kind of save them some time on that uh, discovery and make, make introductions where it's appropriate. Yeah. And, and this has always been, that's the next stage of the journey that I see is you know, we hear that getting access to that next level of capital, right? They've gone from family, now they're going to seed or series A. So I just want to understand, I mean, from my understanding, Startup TNT is focusing on developing the angel investor network. And um, yeah, for those of you who haven't joined, again, like you said, uh, like Stephen said, there's another event coming up, which is a great event. I guess, question then, what do we need to do collectively to sort of reach larger amounts of capital? Because if you guys are, you know, I mean, you guys are graduating all these great startups, how do we, you know, what's that next journey? Because it's not simply angels. We're going to need larger Series A. We're going to need access to, to corporate capital, et cetera. What, what's the growth phase there? Uh, I mean, to be honest, I wish it were simple. I had a simple answer. I could, I could wave a magic wand and, and make, uh, make companies more open to it. I think it comes down to really the value you're showing. And so I'll just look at kind of a case study. If you look at what Svante did, who've recently had some good announcements in the last month, I think they, uh, they were, they'd raised $75 million to continue the development of their carbon capture project. But that's with, and with industrial partners, with Chevron, with Total, with companies that are interested in and going to use and see the value out of their, their technology. I, I believe there's some VCs in there as well who think that there's a big upside to that. But that is certainly um, a good example of how you can do that. And if you listen to, I think we've got uh, Brett, Brett Henkel, one of the founders of Swante and uh, currently their VP of business development on a couple of our uh, 
podcasts and, and he'll say it's really critical. Not only did he get the investment from those companies, but those are also the companies with whom he's running the pilots. Because if you want a successful pilot, you want your partner company to be as invested with you as possible. Right. So he said that, you know, the the challenges, there's always challenges in pilots. And, you know, we've it's been a very challenging time for some of those companies. But the focus has made, been kept on delivering and having successful pilots because those companies are also shareholders, right? They've got a vested interest in seeing Svante be successful now, and that's helped, uh, helped on the pilot front as well. So if you can tie up or you know, build a deeper relationship with the companies that you'll be working with, that can be very, very valuable. Yeah. So for those of you who aren't familiar with Svante, it is, it is a BC startup, correct? It's a technology that's... It's a, it is. It's yes, headquartered yes. in BC. Yeah. And, and, but they're, they're working in energy and, and they've got, you know, it's a great Canadian success story, right? And it's on, it's on the growth path, which is great. So, so but on that, on the pilot, I just want to ask about that, Stephen, because I understand you, you've recently signed a deal with Unique Ventures out of Houston, right? So which brings new skills and uh, opportunity to the table. Can you talk a little bit about them? Absolutely. I think Unique are a wonderful group of people with deep energy experience and they're based out of Houston. So again, if you look at expanding the access to network, I sort of talked about our network of uh, mentors and executives and residents and you know, some of the people that they can introduce SMEs to. Having a partner like Unique based in Houston opens up another world for the companies we work with. Unique also focus on a different part of that commercialization journey than we do, right? Once you've got that value proposition, what do you do with it? How do you go get that initial pilot? And so Unique have their what they call their radar program. It's a four-week program and it focuses solely on the business case for your pilot. And after that, the goal is to help uh, help introduce you to the industrial partners that with whom you might, you know, make a presentation and, and eventually get a pilot. And so because of uh, our educational por- portions are complementary, right? We kind of work on let, let's build up who your customer should be and what your value proposition is. And they really work on, okay, now let's get down to the business case for this pilot. Let's work on some of the financials. It's very complementary. Um, and and they're, they've had some good success in getting pilots for their company. So we're excited to work with them uh, to support, you know, support the ecosystem. Yeah, no, it sounds like a great... Uh opportunity to partner. So if I understand you have, you know, you started off with your programs where you had launch and deliver, then you looked at grow, then you've got startup TNT that's helping you get access to angel investors and unique is uh, now helping you get pilots, right? So these companies, hopefully they graduate out of the accelerator, et cetera. H- have you started yet uh, sending company? Cause it's, are they in Houston? I mean, have we, have you started to build that bridge out or is that the next step? Uh, I would say we're building the bridge. You can't drive across it yet, Peter. Okay. Okay. No, that's because it was just announced. I understand that partnership was just announced. So, fair yeah, enough. yeah, it's uh, it's it's in the works. We're hoping to have some hard dates up in the near future, where you know an application will be open and people can apply to the program, and uh, and we'll have some more details around that. I think what's interesting to me, and as you kind of, as you were speaking, it highlighted to me something about foresight. And we're very collaborative. And I sort of mentioned already that uh, in Alberta, we're working with Platform Calgary and Tech Edmonton, and we're working with Startup TNT, and we're working with Unique. There's no point reinventing the wheel, right? It's an ecosystem. And, and you know, there's a value chain here. And we don't need to necessarily take over the jobs of the people before us and the people in the after us and the people beside us. 
We need to work with them. And that's how we're going to move this, this accelerate the whole ecosystem as quickly as possible is to come in and, and work around what people have, where there's differences, where there's strengths, add what we can. And so that's our model and that's our approach in Alberta. That's also, also as you, I mentioned, you know, the accelerators are working with Manitoba. We're happy to work with any organization on marrying our strengths to theirs. And so, you know, there's some things that we might do in BC that we don't do out in uh, Alberta. There's things that in Alberta, we're looking at seeing how we can bring them to BC because they're done better by different organizations. It's always about learning. It's always about sharing and collaborating and keeping the end goal in mind. Uh, we, you know, we, we get the joy and luck of being a very altruistic and mission-driven organization, uh, you know, driving clean tech forward. I think these are solutions that we all want to see. That's great. That's great. So I guess exploring then, you know, you have done a lot, like you say, where you see if there's a white space between you and the other organization, you guys will look to fill it with a service. Or if there's a partner that can deliver that, you'll bring them in, which is a great model because you're, you know, very collaborative, et cetera. So I guess is where do you see the biggest impact for growth in clean tech sector going forward? Because you know, you've got your hand in building some of the, the startup accelerator, creating mechanisms for the funding now uh, of pilots rather, and then angel investors. So, so where do you focus next? I, I think if we if we focus on doing doing all those things that we've laid out, Peter, that's a pretty big job. <laughs> I think we really deliver excellence there. That's that's a fantastic outcome as it is, and it's you know each each venture needs some some personalized support. It's, it's different in every technology space is different in every sector and the breadth of clean tech. I mean, we've got a great little company and, and, uh, you know, Synergraze and Tamara Loiselle and looking at food additives that'll reduce the methane of, uh, emissions of, uh, the cattle industry and, and, you know, the, the beef we eat and the, the ultimately the food sector. That's a fantastic approach to it. We, uh, we've worked with other companies in, in the ag space as well. We're working with people who are obviously doing carbon capture. We're working with people who are doing water treatment. We're working with uh, people in the built environment who are doing sensors to improve the efficiency of buildings. It's a broad, broad swath of companies that we are working with and industrial partners that we need to bring to the table to you know, run challenges, to do reverse pitches, to really educate people about what those problems are. Remember I said earlier, the biggest issue we see is, is we need more problem-driven innovation, right? What is Quadrial Property Management going to go out and spend $10 million tomorrow retrofitting all their buildings with if you could do it, right? If, if we can get that question, then the answer becomes easier. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so that's, that's kind of the, the focus of, I think, what we want to do is we want to help drive that problem-driven innovation. We want to make it clear what the problems are that people are screaming for today that they'll actually adopt because adoption is, that's the problem I see, right? I mean, heat pumps are, are, are more efficient. You can electrify buildings. You know, yeah, there's some grid problems with it and, you know, the, yeah, there's some cost problems with it, but uh, there's a wonderful stat we love to throw around that 50% of the technology we need to hit our goals, to be net zero in 2050, it already exists today. For sure, we have to get the other yeah. 50%, right? Yes, we need to do more. But it's for those, it's, yeah, it's driving cost curve issues, deployment issues, take, uptake issues, yeah, tax incentives, et cetera. Yeah, there's a whole, it's not just the technology, it's all the, the ancillary stuff. No, that, that's great. So if, uh, 
either companies or potential partners, so meaning startups or potential partners, want to know more about the Foresight uh, Accelerator, what should they do? Reach out to me. Uh, if you're, if you're a corporate, I'll help you navigate our internal uh, machinations, the complex Byzantine network that we're building. But really, uh, on the uh, front end of it, if you're in the accelerator, uh, you want to be partnered with the accelerator delivering the program, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, I'm sure there'll be an email appended to the end of this message or somewhere written alongside of it. If you're interested in the corporate partnership side, Jacob Malthouse is heading that up. I'd be happy to introduce you to him as well. Uh, if you are a company who wants to apply, there's a link on our website. But again, if you have some questions, if you want some more clarity, feel free to give me an email and we'll, uh, we'll make sure to talk to you. Okay. So you're available on LinkedIn anyways. They can contact you through there as, a, as well. Yep, okay. Absolutely. Stephen yeah. C. Wilson, if you're curious. Okay. Okay. There, there's a well, lot of Stephen Wilson, so I had to differentiate myself somehow. You're going to stand, stand okay. up. <laughs> okay. Well, look, thanks very much for your time today, Stephen. I, I do want to say... Uh, you know, t- thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with us today. Peter, it was my pleasure. I thought this was a lot of fun. Have me back Great. anytime. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. And for all out there, for the listeners, thanks for listening today. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode is brought to you by Community Now Magazine. Engage, inspire, educate together. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>